So we've been talking about lies of the enemy. And, and two weeks ago we said one of the key foundational lies of the enemy is you can't trust God's Word. And probably you shouldn't believe that He loves you either because that's probably in question. Last week we said, okay, the second lie that the enemy tells us is that God grades on a curve. That you really don't have to be perfect. Uh, you, you just have to be better than most. And if you're better than most, you're in, right? That, essentially that's the lie. This, this weekend we want to look at the lie where the enemy basically says, there are some things that just cannot be forgiven. There are some things that you have done that God will not forgive you for. And we want to look at those. We want to look at this this weekend because this is a real problem. The questions, we want to answer really, I want to answer three questions. Number one, will God forgive me? Because maybe I've committed too big a sin or maybe I've committed too many sins, right? The second one is, do I have to forgive? And, and the third one is, where do I get the power to forgive? Where do I get the motivation? Where do I get the unction to forgive? Because it's not always easy, is it? Oh, let's dive in. Will God forgive me? So the first question we want to look at is this. Is there a sin that God can't or won't forgive? Now, some of you are already thinking, aren't you? You're thinking, he's not going to go there, is he? Yes, I am. I'm going to go to the passage that talks about the unpardonable sin. For those of you that don't know about it, there is a place in the Scripture where Jesus says there is one sin that if you commit it, there's no forgiveness. So let's look at that passage. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Matthew 12, verse 31. And uh, I want to read the passage. It's on page 743 of your chair Bible, if you'd like to follow along in the chair Bible. 743. And it's Matthew 12, 31. I've had people come into my office and say, Pastor, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I say, okay, tell me what, you know, tell me what it is. Tell me what you think it is. And uh, they'll tell me their sin. But uh, let's read about what that is here. So Matthew 12, 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. So this passage has been called the, the unpardonable sin and the question is, what is the unpardonable sin? Some say it's divorce. Some say it's adultery. Some say it's unbelief. Um, there's a whole bunch of people of what, it, uh, of, uh, what they say it is. But what we need to do is we need to look at the context of the passage. What is, what is Jesus saying before this? What's happening before this? Well, before this, Jesus, uh, a, a demon-possessed man is brought to Jesus. And he sets the man free. He casts out the demons of this demon-possessed man. And so the Pharisees are watching this, and the Pharisees basically says, well, we know where he gets his power, you know. He gets his power from Satan. This is from the, gra- the, this is from the devil. This is, this is not from God. This is from the devil. And, and so Jesus challenges their, uh, their, uh, their statement, and he challenges it in three ways. The first thing he says is this. He says, this doesn't make logical sense. Why in the world would Satan want to cast out his own demons, why would Satan attack Satan? 
Why would Satan give me the power to cast out his own henchmen, right? It doesn't make sense. The second thing he says is this. You Pharisees have cast out demons too. Who's to say your power isn't from the, from the devil too? Why is your power not from the devil and mine is? Essentially, that's his argument. Those are pretty good arguments. The third thing he says is this. He says, you have committed a sin that cannot be forgiven. You know, you could have blasphemed me. And many times they did. He says, and I'll forgive you for that. But you blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Now, something interesting is going on here. And... and it, the interesting thing is what Jesus is doing is he's standing up for the Holy Spirit. If, if they had blasphemed the Father, what do you think Jesus would have done? You ever have anybody that you really love and care about, your wife, your kids, your, your husband, and they begin to say just terrible, awful things about them? How does that make you feel? Well, here, here's what's going on here. Uh, we think of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people think of the Holy Spirit as a force or a power, an impersonal force or power, Right? And so the idea here is it's not such a big deal. It's just the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not such a big deal. It's just the Father. Do you remember that the the Scripture tells us, and we believe that Orthodox Christianity has always believed and taught, it's always believed and taught the Trinity, that the Father and Son and Spirit are co-eternal and co-equal. They have no beginning. They have no end. They're co-equal. That they've had this ongoing relationship, this ongoing dance of the divinity from before time, there's this love and respect. The three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And what Jesus is doing it, it, right here now is he's basically saying, you're attributing demonic power to the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And then you've gone too far. That is a sin that will not be forgiven. So what Jesus is doing is he's standing up for the third person of the Trinity. It was a very serious sin. Now, it's very clear that this isn't just unbelief. It's more than unbelief. It's much deeper than that. It wasn't a den- denial of Jesus, like Peter. Peter, you know, <laughs> Jesus, Peter said, I'll, de- you know, I'll, never de- de- I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, well, you're going to do it three times within a, you know, a few hours. It's not uh, adultery because David committed adultery and he was forgiven. Even though David was forgiven, there were consequences to his sin, right? So it's not that. It's publicly attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. It's publicly attributing the work that Jesus is performing to the Holy Spirit. In other words, what I'm saying is, I don't believe that you can commit the unpardonable sin today. Because Jesus isn't walking this earth and you can't say, Jesus, that's, that, that your power comes from Satan. Which is exactly what they were doing in that day. Now listen, I, I believe that the enemy wants you to believe that you have committed the unpardonable sin. Because after all, the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to keep you as far from God as possible. He wants you to feel hopeless. He wants you to feel like there's no, no way that you could be forgiven. But what does Jesus really say? He says this. He says the only sin not forgiven was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but every other sin is. So what does Satan want you to do? Focus on the one sin that probably you can't commit to feel like you have committed it, so you'll always feel like I can never really be forgiven. And so I've met people who basically are convinced 
that God will never receive them because they've committed that unpardonable sin. Let's, uh, let's uh, go a little further. When you feel guilty, and, and some of us feel more guilty than others, when you feel get guilty about your sin, who, who do you think is accusing you? <clears throat> Turn over to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. This is on page 956, 956 in the chair Bible. In the context, it's talking about the dragon or the enemy. It's talking about Satan, okay? And this is a, this is a, the, the book of Revelation is an interesting book because it's talking about this spiritual uh, cosmic battle that's going on. This cosmic battle that, that we don't know really when it's taking place and how it's taking place, but it is taking place or it's going to take place. And essentially... Um, This is what it says about uh, the enemy. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in in the kingdom of God. And the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Notice Satan is called the accuser of the brothers, our brothers and sisters. Do you ever think... That the person that you feel is accusing you is the enemy. I mean, some people think it's God. God is, is, God is um, accusing me. God is attacking me. Do you know it, it's probably not God? It's probably the, the enemy? It, here's what I found. The enemy plays both sides of the fence. The enemy basically says about sin, says go ahead and do it. It'll never hurt. It'll no, it won't cost you that much. It's, it, it's, it, and, and basically, look, can I just say this? Sin many times is very attractive because there's some good to sin. I mean, there's some good effects. I mean, you've, there, there, there are. But here's the thing. The enemy, I said this last night and I shouldn't say it, but I will. Um, there are some times where you've been in a deal either with a car salesman or buying a house or something like that. And uh, all of a sudden you realize after the fact, you go, they didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me that. And you have buyer's remorse, right? And so here's what's going on. The enemy basically gets on this side and says, you should do it. It's not that bad. It's just a little thing. It's for you. I mean, you have to look out for yourself so you go and do it. And then what the enemy does is gets the other, on the other side of the fence and he goes, oh, you call yourself a Christian? Are you kidding me? How, how could you let yourself do this? And, and it, you, just, you just feel bad about it and terrible about it. You know, it's not the Father in Heaven that's doing that. It's the accuser. We often feel like we've committed too big a sin or too many sins. The enemy wants us to remind us of our sins and create a a spirit of despair, feeling like we're too far gone. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way this morning. You feel like I've committed too many sins or I've committed the sin. And I feel like God can never forgive me. Um, Maybe you're like this. Maybe you're the person you've confessed the same I mean, you've committed a sin, and maybe it's a bad sin. You've committed it. Uh, you've, you've, you've confessed it to God, right? And you've confessed it like 20 times. Have you ever done it? Have you ever confessed, forget, asked God to forgive you like 20? And you just don't feel like God has forgiven you. I just want to say the enemy loves to pile on. 
The enemy wants you to feel hopeless and helpless. The enemy wants you to feel like God will, will not forgive you and doesn't forgive you and you haven't done enough to make things right with God and you'll never do enough, you'll never be good. But your Father in Heaven is waiting with open arms. Think of the prodigal sons, right? What did the Father do with really both sons? He offered open arms and waited for them to come back and He was ready to hug them and receive them back when they repented, when they turned. The same is true today. You see, God is wired for forgiveness. Ezekiel chapter 33, 11. Notice what uh, it says, page uh, 652. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Some people feel that God enjoys punishing people. But his heart is broken over people who reject and rebel against him. By the way, that's every one of us at one point. The Bible says we are all sinners. We were all lost. There was no one that did righteous. No, not one. Every one of us was far from God. God takes his enemy, and you know what he does? He turns his enemies into his friends. That's what he's done to a lot of us, hasn't he? I no longer am an enemy to God or... I am now God's friend. Jesus came to save sinners. What's a sinner? A sinner is someone who knows they need help. And God is looking for more people to forgive. That's part of the mission of Hope Church, is to help people understand their desperate need of God, to help them to come to a place where they'll repent and turn to God and find the forgiveness and freedom that only Jesus can bring. The Bible says He's not wishing that any should perish but that all might come to repentance. So, is there a sin that you can commit that God won't forgive? No. No. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you go to Him, if you repent, God will forgive you. Here's the second thing we want to look at. This, now, you may want me to quit right now because it's... Good, this is really good, good news, good stuff. You walk out with your heads up knowing that God will forgive me. There's an accuser out there and I've got I to gotta separate his voice from what God's voice through his word says. All that. Now, the second question that we want to answer is, must I forgive others? So let's talk a little bit about forgiveness for a moment. Forgiveness is not an option, it's a command. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, page 737 in your chair Bible. You already know these words. You already know this verse. You have it memorized. Did you know you have some of the Bible already memorized? And you didn't even know know it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then it says in verse 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here's the point. If you need forgiveness, you need to forgive. Now, if you don't need any forgiveness... You don't need to forgive anyone. By the way, there's no one in this room that meets that uh, criteria. Did you notice that it says forgiveness is hardwired in the Lord's Prayer? You know, I've prayed that prayer since I've been a little, little boy. And I never realized that. 
Forgive us as, as we forgive. I don't want God to do that. I want God just to forgive me and leave forgiveness as an option. But it's not an option here. It's a command. Now, we need to define what we mean by forgiveness because I think there's a lot of confusion about forgiveness. Number, the first thing I want you to see is this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Notice what Jeremiah 31 says. I will forgive their wickedness. I will never again remember their sins. Now, the question is, does this mean that God forgets our sins? I've said this before. I actually heard it today when I was watching a pastor on TV. And I've said this before. Uh, but uh, that God takes our sins, and one verse says, and he buries it in the deepest ocean, and, you know, and there's a no fishing sign there. In other words, that, that God forgets it. I mean, you, you would mention this, and God would say, huh? What are you talking about? I don't remember. Now, there's a whole bunch of biblical and theological problems with that. Because God is omniscient, meaning He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your thoughts ten years from now, five years ago. He knows He knows everything. Everything. And it's just beyond our comprehension to grasp that. So to say that God doesn't know this or makes it so there's something in the universe that He doesn't know or remember is, uh, is a problem. What he's saying here is, I will, when I forgive you, when you confess it and I forgive you, it's done. It's over. I will not bring it up. Do I remember it? Of course I remember it. Will I bring it up and hold it against you ever again? Absolutely not. Now, some of you are in relationships, right? As a husband and a wife, maybe as a parent and a child. And you've said or done something to each other and you've asked for forgiveness and that person has granted you forgiveness, right? But they keep bringing it back up again, don't they? They keep mentioning it again. And they can't help themselves. They want to not bring it up, but they continually bring it up. That never happens with God. God basically says when it's under the blood of Christ, when you've confessed it and, you've, and Jesus' blood covers it, I will not, it's not saying I will, I will I don't remember anybody. I will not bring it up. It's over, it's done, it's gone. I will stop holding your sin against you. Now, a couple clarifications. Forgiving is not forgetting for us. Okay? I mean, if you think that forgiveness means that you have to immediately kind of erase this out of your mind, good luck with that. That's kind of impossible. Or you may say forgiveness means I have to trust this person. Or forgiveness means that... uh, There's going to be no consequences. The first thing is this. Sin always has consequences. It always does. You know, and and they may not be the consequences. Well, there's a whole bunch of things about this we don't have a lot of time. Trust. Let's talk about trust for a moment. In a marriage relationship, let's say you've been married for 20, 25 years in a marriage relationship, right? And so what I tell couples is many times, trust is like a bank. You, you each make accounts. You, you make a deposit, trust, a, a, trust deposits into that bank account. So after 25 years, you like have this 99.9% trust factor, right? You, you just have built this trust up that you just absolutely trust this person. But if this person went out and had an affair... The bank is broken. 
The account is drained completely. And let's say that that person repents. That person says, I'm sorry, I blew it, I, I want to get back together, I don't want to lose this. We've, we've spent 25 years. You can start over. You can forgive that person. But you'd be a fool to trust them completely. Absolutely foolish. You start making deposits, little by little, day by day, where there is accountability and there is transparency and there are uh, good faith efforts made in the trust area. Trust needs to be earned back over time with accountability. And I'll say this, if you were at 99.9%, you may never get there again. That's the way it works. Forgiveness may never... Uh, forgiveness is really letting an offense go many times. Forgiveness may never lead to reconciliation. It may be, you know, there are some, some of you may have been abused by a, a parent or someone else. Uh, maybe uh, you were molested or something like that. Well, my guess is that you could forgive that person, but I don't know if reconciliation is necessarily a good thing. I don't think you should sit down with the person who molested you and try to be reconciled with them. Or it may be that you have a parent where it was a terrible relationship with a parent and uh, you, you, you'll never be reconciled with them because they're dead. Well, how are you going to be reconciled to them? You, so you can't. But the point is you can forgive them and you can release that person. But the reconciliation is a little bit trickier. And sometimes you think forgiveness means I immediately have to forget, I immediately have to trust, and I have to be reconciled. And that is not forgiveness. Forgiveness takes stages. And forgiveness is different in every case. It's a little bit different. But we are commanded to forgive. Forgiveness is releasing your hurts to God and allowing Him to be the judge in the life of the person who hurt you. Forgiveness allows you to move on and to be free. The next thing I want to say about forgiveness is it starts with a mirror. It starts with a mirror. Notice what Luke says, Luke 6.41. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a, 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 a log in your own? Before you speak to another person who has offended you, you need to look in the mirror. A uh, couple things about this. Number one, and when I say the mirror, I mean the mirror of God's Word. That you need to allow the Word of God to show you your heart so you can see if you're going with the right motives. And, and you'll know that because self-examination always comes before confrontation. Before you confront somebody else about their sin, you need to examine your own heart. And then number two, confrontation is always with the, role, the goal of restoration. You're not confronting a person to tell them how bad they were or are. You're going there to restore them. It's always to restore them. Forgiveness lets some, uh, God settle things. Sometimes you just need to let God, <laughs> somebody has once said, you need to let God, you can sick God on them. Let God handle it. Sometimes you don't, you, you just need to release it because you know the door is closed on their side. Your door is open, but there's just hostility there. And you just need to say, God, you take care of this. And Paul essentially says that in Romans 12. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. When you've been hurt or wronged, how do you respond? Here's a number of good ways to respond. 
How do you respond when somebody offends you? Number one, here's, here's, here's something some of you need to do this because some of you are offended so easily and you're, you're, you just allow it to control your mood and your day and sometimes you just need to do this. Let it go. Let it go. Notice what Proverbs says. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Sensible people overlook their wrongs. Proverbs 19.11, in case you want to write that down. Secondly, sometimes you need to point it out. Sometimes you need to go to that person. But remember, before you go to that person, you need to look in the mirror, right? And then sometimes you need to get some help. That's where Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17 comes in, where you go to the person and you've talked with them. You haven't gotten anywhere and there's still uh, issues. And so now you take another person with you. And then sometimes you just need to let God handle it. It's, it's, it's too much for you. So, so far we've just said, can God forgive me? Will God forgive me? Is there a sin that I can commit that God won't forgive? And, and the answer to that is, there's no sin that you can commit that God won't forgive. Number two, do I have to forgive? Yeah, you do. But let's understand what we're talking about when we talk about forgiveness. Here's the last thing I want to talk about, and it's this. What is the key to forgiveness? And the key is simply this. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. Paul kind of says that in Colossians 3.13. He says this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So Paul basically says your motivation for forgiving others is that He forgave And when you begin to understand how much you've been forgiven, you find it a lot easier to forgive other people. See, our problem in forgiveness really stems from the fact that we haven't meditated, we haven't reflected, we haven't caught the cross, the depth of the love and the forgiveness and the sacrifice and the love of the cross. When we begin to grasp that, we have a well to work from to forgive others. We can say, I can forgive them. That's a minor thing compared to forgiveness that I have received from Him. Can God forgive you? Yes. Should you forgive others? Yes. Where do I get the power and the encouragement and the strength to forgive? The cross. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Help us, Father, because this isn't something we manufacture. It's not something we can do on our own. In a lot of ways, it's it's a function of the Holy Spirit. That's why blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is such a serious sin. Uh, Because without Your Spirit, we would have no hope. We would have no help. I pray, Father, that we would uh, not allow the, the accuser, the enemy, to keep us mired in our sin, but that we would go boldly to the throne of grace and find that forgiveness that You offer to us. I pray, Father, that we would be reflections of what we've received, forgiveness, that we would forgive others. Help us, Father, to just constantly go back to the cross so we can see we were forgiven. I can forgive because I've been forgiven. Thank you for Jesus, Father, and thank you for your word in our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.